Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. It's the two megastars summer mashup. The awesome iPhone on the Rockstar Metro PCS Network. Get the iPhone you've always wanted for $0, so you can jam without limits. It's a hit. Get an iPhone SE on us when you switch. Metro PCS. Coverage not available in some areas, plus sales tax and $10 activation fee. Requires port of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or on Metro PCS in past 90 days to an unlimited LTE plan. See store for details and terms and conditions. Stampede Blue. What we talking about? Indianapolis, AFC South. Stampede Blue, let's air it out. Fly route, let's air it out. Topics, loaded like offense. Colt-centric, talk about it often. Stampede Blue, let's air it Welcome out. Welcome back to Fly another Colts cast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Danley. Thank you guys for coming back to the show. Uh, we've got a Thursday preseason game. We've got cuts on September 1st, and we've got waiver claims on tip se- September 2nd. We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, th- this conversation about the, the Indianapolis Colts 53-man roster is just never going to stop. This is just what we continue to talk about day in and day out. Uh, performances, good and bad, ups and downs, you know, impressions, and, and so on and so forth. And tonight, to join me in this conversation is Stephen Holder, formerly of the Indy Star, new addition and athletic being pushed out now in Indiana, which is fantastic. Stephen Holder, thank you, man, for joining me tonight. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. Uh, this this should be good. Absolutely. So let's let's kind of just let's plug away here and, and talk about this. Now we've there's been a lot of talk, obviously, about Terrell Basham, and, and a lot of negativity. He's in his he's been here for a full season, you know, in, in two training camps. I mean, is any of the speculation on anybody's part really worth talking about with him not possibly making a roster? In your opinion. Yeah, so I just finished, you know, like we all do, these 53-man projections. And, and look, I mean, you know, they're probably not worth the paper they're written on, but that's okay. I mean, <laughs> right. we, we, all, we all have our opinions and our thoughts, and they're fun, right? right? So I did it today, and I kept him. And I, I didn't have a hard time finding room for him. I thought that it was too early to make a determination for sure. Last year, I almost throw out completely. The Colts went into last year, at least Chris Ballard went into last year, knowing that that uh, Terrell Basham was not ideally suited to play in that scheme. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. no one is making any judgments based on last year, or at least they shouldn't. Right. Um, I, right. I think, obviously, you'd like to see production no matter what. And, and the production wasn't there, but that's not a surprise. So I, I'm not terribly bothered by the fact that he didn't have tons of production last year. I am bothered by the fact that I haven't seen enough consistent production uh, in training camp in this preseason. But that being said, I, I don't think that a guy who who had as much 
results as he did in college, I don't think that's a guy you walk away from, uh, what, uh, you know, 16 months into his pro career. So I don't think they should walk away. I don't think they will walk away from Terrell Basham. But I do think there should be some heat on him, and I think there will be. Mm-hmm. But he's got to, at some point, show it. And it doesn't have to be a finished product. He doesn't have to be that now. But he does have to start, I think, showing some indications. You've got to flash. And I think those are the things that I'll be looking for. And I think that's kind of been, I think that's kind the, of been the deal, right? Because, the deal, right? You, because you, you've seen Terrell Basham, seen Terrell Basham. A, a couple plays here a and there. A couple plays here after that, you don't really see the flash. There's just not a lot of that. Um, you get, you know, guys like Ryan Dallaire flashing. I mean, obvious flashing. And he's only been here a couple of weeks. You know, we haven't seen like a great deal uh, as far as rushing the passer out of Jabal Sheard. But I mean, you know, Kamiko Ture is here for the flash. Ultimately, he is a, a designated pass rusher this year, more or less, uh, despite where they've got him on the depth chart right now, which is, I mean, it is baffling. You can tell they're not even trying to make that. Uh, you know, a depth chart. They're just putting names on paper. We have 90 guys, and that's all that really that depth chart means. Um, but I just we need more flash. We need more in-game flash from from Terrell Basham. I'm not. I'm actually. I, I find myself trying to get rid of him. You know, and, and it's just yeah. one of those things where I was really high on him coming into uh, the draft when he was, and I was really excited actually that the Colts drafted him. I, I just felt I just continue to see that there's no there's no production value uh, in what he's doing because he's constantly trying to bull rush and out muscle guys that are as strong or stronger than he is. And he's not putting together moves. He's not got a counter move right now. And it just seems like it's a lot that's going to waste. And I, we, I mean, desperately, the Colts need to find a guy that can coach that guy up or that they can get him to realize, like you said, you know, put some heat on this guy and really make him understand that, look, dude, if you don't get it together, we're, we're moving off of you. Yeah, I, and I think that that has to happen. And I, and I would say, you know, this reminds me a little bit, a little bit of the Bjorn Werner situation. And not like not to say that he's in that mold. What I'm saying is uh, you have a couple of things. You talked about him trying to bull rush guys, right? Mm-hmm. And that was something that I think Werner struggled with. He tried to just beat guys either just on speed, which he didn't have enough of to, to get by. And then when he tried the muscle guys, as you said, those guys were just as strong as he was. And he had nothing else to go to. So I remember, I think, year three for Werner, I remember Ryan Grigson talking about, you know, he's got to come up with some counter moves. And I'm like, counter moves? Dude, you're three, <laughs> you know? And so <laughs> that's where Terrell Basham is now. It's like, all right, that that stuff's not going to work, okay? You're not going to just be able to muscle anybody at this level. Uh, they've seen it all. They've done it all. Uh, they've been around the block. So what are you going to bring to the table? What is in your repertoire? And I see him oftentimes – I don't want to say give up because that is too strong of a statement. I don't think he's giving up, but I see him get frustrated all the time when his initial rush doesn't work mm-hmm. and he lets himself get taken out of the play. And it's not intentional, but he's allowing it to happen. And that's because he doesn't have anything else to go to. So I see when that happens, you're going to get a frustrated player. And when you have a frustrated player development, I think comes slower. So He's got to understand that, and, and they've got to coach him up too. So this is on them too. they got to coach him up. Robert Mathis is obviously going to play a role in that. These guys got to get him to a point where 
he is developing those things because right now he just doesn't have a real menu to go to. Right. And I almost would rather him have a counter move, but fail at it. You know what I mean? Just to, just so he can at least show that this is what I'm attempting to do instead of just, it's like, okay, I have no idea. It's almost, I mean, it's just like somebody getting, like you said, frustrated immediately right off the jump. It's like, if this doesn't work, I'm out of options. And that's, that's not good. He's not only does he have to have, I mean, we, we see them, Steven, constantly doing their pass rush drills and you know that they're being taught to dip rip do all this other stuff he's just not putting together it just seems like he forgets all of his technique once it gets to the field and that's something that once once there's engagement there with that tackle that's where things need to happen and it seems like that's completely out of his uh, mind at that time yeah and so this often will happen as you know with guys who are good athletes okay he's He's got a good first step. It's very impressive. In fact. Right. You can see it, right? You watch him and you see him get off the ball and you're like, okay, I, I like that guy. If you took away all the numbers and you just watched who has the first, you know, who's got the fastest first step. If you saw Terrell Basham and you saw everybody else on this roster, you might say, okay, well, that guy's probably the best athlete. Mm-hmm. But then that's what, that's where it ends. Because if he doesn't beat you with that first step, which he's capable of doing, mm-hmm. but it's not going to happen very often. And if he doesn't do that, then he's got nothing. So that's really where, as I said, it's got to be a, a collective effort here. He's got to go all in. The coach has got to be all in. They got to fix him. And then if they can't, if he still can't do it at that point, then they got to figure out where they're at. Yeah, it's just really sad that, that that's where they're at with him already. I think I, I I know that there was high hopes for him. I mean, and not only with the the Colts fan base, but the coaching staff as well. Getting him into a system now that he's you know, expected to be comfortable in. And it just seems like, you know, that's just not happening yet. So what what then do you make of Ryan Dallaire? Do you feel, I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of people and it's kind of funny because you, it brings back old memories. Uh, they, they've they've a, 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 a kind of attached him to like a, the, the Caesar Rayford from a few <laughs> years ago. And I thought it's kind of like that, I guess. I mean, but you just see so much, there's just so much to Dallaire. It looks like he's just been simmering and waiting to, to showcase what he can do. Yeah, you know, I tell you what, I mean, you were out there for a lot of training camp, and I remember the first day Delaire put pads on, mm. <laughs> I think he, he might have actually had a scoop and score or maybe a strip sack or something. Yeah. And and it was like, okay, that is that's flash from day one. And then he keeps doing it in the games. And and look, I, I think someone said this, I can't remember who it was, maybe Mike Chappell, but it's there's a lot of truth to this. You know, he a lot of times his production in some cases in these games it has come against backups, right? So uh, much like the Caesar Rayford situation, and and I, you know, we've all learned that lesson. You got to take that for what it is. But mm-hmm. but what what should happen is the guy has to if a guy is playing against backups, if he's a player, then he should dominate those guys, mm-hmm. and oftentimes he is, and and that's what I think is really impressive. So he might not be able to go and do that against you know, the, the starting offensive line of the Cincinnati Bengals next week. But, you know, assuming he's, you know, finds a spot on the roster. But but if he but if he's out there and you give him enough reps, you know, he's a guy who will find his way into making some plays just because he's done it enough that you know there's something there. Um, you know, look, the, the Caesar Rayford situation was also different. The, the personnel on the team was different at that time, right? For sure, I mean, for sure. You know, you still had a, a Robert Mathis. You still had mm-hmm. – you know, well, they had high hopes, obviously, for 
were Werner, who we just talked about, right? So the, the personnel was different. They had a proven guy. They had a guy who they had huge investment in. Uh, they, they felt pretty good about their situation. And then they had some free agents sprinkled in between. So they were able to to part with him and, and make that trade. And, and, and maybe, maybe, maybe he wouldn't have been productive here no matter who was on the team. But, but my point is that was a different situation uh, here. You have, I think a much less proven group of rushers. So a guy like Ryan Dallaire to me uh, in their situation right now for the Colts, he actually looms a little larger in my opinion. I think he has something that not a lot of their guys have. Right. Not to mention, I think Rayford was more of a linebacker, wasn't he? An outside linebacker. Yeah, I thought he was a tweener, and that—that's exactly right. That was also one of the issues with him. You know, it's a different scheme completely, right? So, right. so a totally different situation. And he was probably a tweener. It, you get a lot of tweeners in that system, obviously. So um, that was not ideal as well from that standpoint. So you're right. Yeah. Right. That, that, I'll tell you what. That was fun to watch, though. I mean, when somebody yeah. brought that up, yeah. I was like, man, I remember that he was a beast in the preseason, but. <laughs> That, uh, that was fun yeah. to watch, man. Uh, but but Ryan, Ryan Dallaire, though, does have uh, – you know, there were high hopes for Ryan Dallaire yeah. prior to his injuries, I thought. So so this isn't a guy who, you know, just kind of fell out of Mar- fell off of Mars and you're like, oh, okay, maybe this guy's a player. Well, no, and people right. actually had real uh, hopes for him and that got derailed by his health. So, so maybe, you know, this isn't a guy who's just coming out of nowhere. It's just a guy who, who had health issues – and maybe is trying to get back to who he previously was. Right. Yeah, it just kind of shocks me that he wasn't even in the league, that somebody couldn't find a spot for him somewhere uh, with only two years in. I mean, I think he had like, what, three and a half sacks his first couple years with Carolina, but uh, it just kind of shocks me because you see, obviously, what somebody saw in him uh, in the draft process. But uh, this kind of brings me to another question. I don't know that I've ever asked anybody this necessarily, but I continue, whether it's little radio spots here and there, uh, but I got to ask about it today, actually, and it was it's kind of in line with this culture change that everybody kind of perceives to be going on. Well, I mean, I think that it's obvious at the same time. To me, it's it's a little hard to describe. So I'm going to ask you, how do you see with the with uh, Frank Wright coming in the maybe the scheme change and just kind of everything involved so far with the Colts? What do you see in the change in culture and what do you kind of attribute it to, I guess, too? Yeah, I, you know what I see is uh, kind of a, a professionalism which i like and I, that's not to say the, no, nothing i'm saying here is a shot at chuck pagano um i just think there are different approaches right and and i think frank is all business you know now he's not he's not a stiff okay he's not a stiff guy i think he i think he can loosen up i think he does loosen up uh we saw for example the day at, at training camp where he had uh, his offensive lineman catching punts and, right. you know, the losers were going to have some kind of, or the winners, I guess, would kind of get out of the evening meetings, right? Mm-hmm. Offense or defense. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's shown, I think, an ability to loosen up and to have some fun and, and to, to keep guys engaged. But he also, I think, has a really business-like approach. And I think that's a good thing. I also love the fact that, that Frank Reich, I feel like, is never – uh he's the same guy all the time and whether things are good whether things are bad 
Now, granted, he hasn't lost a game yet, so we'll see how he handles <laughs> right. things when they go badly. Yeah, because they're going to lose a game. I don't know if you know that, but they're, <laughs> they're probably going to lose a game. They are, but uh, they'll probably lose quite a few. But but my point is, I think he, he he seems to me to be like a guy who a player can look to and say, okay, this guy's in control, and I I really feel like that matters in a locker room. Uh, and the other thing I would say, and I'm going to try to approach this in a story at some point if I can if I can figure out the path to get to this in writing but right. one thing that I've noticed is for the offensive guys in particular this won't apply to defense but for offense those guys seem to really appreciate the fact that a he was a quarterback and has uh, such a way of communicating to them you know what he's trying to accomplish offensively you know I talked to Jacoby Brissett about this he said you know a quarterback just sees the game differently. Frank Reich was the quarterback for a long time. And and this is beneficial not just for the quarterbacks, but also for T.Y. Hilton and Eric Ebron and everybody else on that offense. I talked to Ryan Kelly about this. He said, you know, the, the, the quarterback has to see the game totally differently. He's got he's to anticipate things. He's got to understand what everybody's job is. And, and Frank Reich teaches the offense almost – from that standpoint, as if a quarterback was seeing it. And and the quarterbacks specifically have told me that they really appreciate the fact that he was one because it, it really does give them sort of a uh, – it, it, it just enables them, I think, to have a better rapport with him. And it's just been, I think, really beneficial for everybody involved. So, uh, you know, that's that's kind of my – those are kind of my thoughts. But I really do, as I said, like overall, if we're talking about – not just offensively, but overall, uh, I think, like I said, the professionalism and the fact that his his demeanor always the same, mm-hmm. never too high, never too low, and I think that's critical for a head coach, especially for a young team, right? Where you know these guys are going to take their cues from their their coaches. If this were a veteran team, you know, Chuck Pagano had a lot of veteran teams here. Mm-hmm. I think you know we could talk about the fact that he was a little bit looser. Well, yeah, he could be. Because he had different teams, the makeup of those teams were very different. So, yeah. you know, you had Corey Reddings and guys like that. It was a totally different makeup. This team, I think, he has to be a much more of a presence. The presence of the head coach is much more important. And I think Frank Wright has the appropriate demeanor for a team like this. I agree. I think the accountability that he kind of it feels like he brings a little bit extra to the accountability factor, and I think that that's very crucial for a young team as well. So uh, I've enjoyed watching them practice. I've enjoyed watching the way that their the structure of their practice goes. And I think that uh, I, th- I just I, I can't get over the fact that I think that the Colts and this has been something that we've talked about for quite a while now is is the McDaniels issue with with Reich. I just can't help but see that it it feels so right that the Colts dodged a bullet there. And uh, I, I mean, we haven't seen him coach a game. We don't know the results of him. We don't know, you know, does he get flustered in certain situations? We don't know any of that yet. But it just really feels, like you said, the professionalism and the, and the business-like approach. It just feels like, uh, I, I almost feel like this would just be a circus under McDaniels. And I just feel like it's, it definitely took the right turn when the Colts needed it to. Yeah, the, I don't disagree with anything you just said. And it is interesting. I, I think it would have been uh, – very interesting to see Josh McDaniels with this team, okay? A young team, uh, a team that uh, I think 
as I said, is so reliant on their head coach in terms of, you know, looking for cues or taking their cues Mm -hmm. from the head coach. And, and I think, you know, someone in that role needing to show them the way, right. So that guy would have been Josh McDaniels. (laughs) And I think, but all we can draw from is his Denver experience and, and he didn't do a very good job of those things there. So it would have been very interesting to see how it might have played out here with a team that I think was is so impressionable. Um, in retrospect, that's a that's a, such a great point, and it's not something that I really thought of initially. Right? I thought McDaniel's was actually I thought it made a lot of sense, but really, I think like everyone else, I was caught up in the scheme aspect of it and caught up in the offensive potential aspect of that whole uh, situation, mm-hmm. which is not, in, it's not insignificant, right? All right. those things matter, but, uh, but there are other things that matter too. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Frank Reich is a, is a better package in that regard. And he's got scheme as well, right? I mean, he right. can, you know, we think he, we think he has a chance to be a, a decent play caller. Uh, I, I like theoretically what he wants to do scheme wise. So he has, those things as well, but also I think has a better package in those other areas that are just important, just as important. I agree. He's definitely not a tight ends coach who just lucked into his first head coaching job. You know, he, no. he, he knows what he's doing with the offense and, and that's obviously great. Uh, we're going to be back to talk uh, a little bit more about the offense here in just a moment with Stephen Holder. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice, whether it's who to play in fantasy, who's going to win, who's going to be a top performer. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. You guys know by now I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, individual bets, team bets they've got it all guys and for you fantasy guys out there you can even bet on the over under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game remember who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with that's why i always tell people to bet with my bookie i just did that literally the other day trust me guys they are the best bet this season join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar use my promo code blue colts to activate the offer Visit MyBookie online, that's MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, and don't forget to use my promo code, BLUECOLTS, when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Lay down some cash and win big today. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Steven, let's talk about this right tackle issue uh, with the Colts right now. Austin Howard obviously has shown that he does not belong there in any, almost in any capacity at all. Uh, Braden Smith, I was much more impressed with him, if that's a possibility, uh, than I was in camp as far as in practices. I thought that he's done pretty well in the preseason games there. Not great, obviously, but you see that he's, he's, he's much more of a, of, a, of a bi-positional player than he was just a few weeks ago. And I think that that's important for the Colts going, going forward, regardless of which position he, he tends to uh, play in more throughout his career, obviously. But, I mean, what do we really see right now? Denzel Good goes out on his, literally, I guess, on his 20th snap the other night. Um, and, and now it just it seems like that door's open wide uh, again. And, you know, for all the times that we've been excited that Anthony Costanzo is the guy and complained about his play, 
you know, he's been the most durable offensive lineman the Colts have ever seen in, in the past 15 years. And now, you know, we still have to consider that there's a possibility he could re-aggravate something. So my question is ultimately at right tackle, do we see somebody on the roster hold this down? Do we see maybe Braden Smith start early in the season? Or is this somebody who could be on the outside on another team right now and be uh, the result of a waiver claim? Yeah, so my thoughts on that right now, I think I, I kind of lean toward what you're saying, which is I, I like Braden Smith as an option there right now. And I tell you, I, I really think that here's the thing. He's, he's raw. He's, he's going to commit some penalties, yep. okay, clearly. Right. Uh, we, we've seen that from him. Uh, he is He's not polished. All, of, all those things are true. I get that. But who has the most upside at that spot? It's going to be him. Mm-hmm. If he, he sits there and he practices that at that position every day throughout the season for, for however long this is necessary, he's going to improve. And I think – for all you know, I mean, sometimes this is how things happen. You fall into things, right? right? You know, for all we know, they could have really developed this kid and, and maybe he turns into, you know, a possible long-term solution there. I'm getting way, way, way ahead of ourselves here. Sure. I realize that. But but all I'm saying is it, it's, it might be worth a try. Now, I was not in favor of that when Denzel Good was an option. Mm-hmm. But now, given the, the Denzel Good situation, I mean, he's walking around the locker room today with a huge brace on his knee. It sounds like it's going to be a few weeks. So, I mean, if they're considering him week to week, I, my translation for that is multiple weeks. Right. Okay, that's, that's how I interpret that. Mm-hmm. So he's not playing in the opener, at least, based on that. Right. So given that situation, I mean, why not stick Braden Smith in there and, and see what happens. Here's the thing. I mean, you don't have any good options. Austin Howard, as far as I'm concerned, needs to be cut. I okay. agree. Totally. He, he has to go. He yeah. has to go. That is a failed experiment. He's, what, 31 years old? Okay. I mean, it's not going to get better. Right. <laughs> okay. Here's here's a, a preview for you. I'm going to make a prediction. It only gets worse. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. And if, so and if that's needs- your depth, that's not good either. <laughs> right. So your depth needs to be, a, you know, a guy who can, who can, you know, sort of go in there and and you can count on, um, you know, and and have some flexibility too. And, and he's he doesn't have that. Joe Hayes has that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have some position flexibility there. So I think that cut if it's me, I cut Howard. I give Braden Smith a shot, and I think he's got the most upside of of the guys who are healthy right now. Um, certainly Jamarcus Webb, I guess, is an option. Uh, I mean, is, is that any better than putting Braden Smith in there? And and frankly, with with Webb, you have much less upside, right? right. So so that's why I say, you know what? I, I think Smith is worth a try. Again, I would not have been, I would have not said this a week ago, mm-hmm. but with where they are right now, I I think yeah, Braden Smith. And, and I also in training camp when they were giving Braden Smith, all those right tackle snaps. I was kind of not in favor of that because I figured, well, they've got Austin Howard, they got Joe Haig, they got Denzel Good. They don't need to mess with that. What's the point? But to be honest, uh, I'm kind of eating my words. Maybe they were smart. Maybe I was the idiot. So uh, it, it's turned out to be beneficial because I think he's their best option. We'll see if they agree. But but I think they feel pretty. I don't want to say confident, but they feel they feel comfortable putting. Braden Smith in there. I really think they do. Yeah. So uh, that's what I, 
it's kind of funny that you say that because I was kind of on the opposite end of that. I was I was kind of pulling for them to at least try him there and practice because I figured he's not starting it at the guard. Slauson's got that locked up. Just let's see if he can do anything there. No big deal. And then, you know, they kept doing it and kept doing it. And I was even kind of like, okay, I know I said I wanted him to move him there, but he looks <laughs> terrible. You yeah. Know, get him out of there. And then he's kind of slowly started to pick it up in the preseason, which is, is nice. But it, it's it's definitely a position that I think they, regardless of what they do uh, as far as starter, I have no qualms about them starting Braden Smith to start the season, but I still think that they may need a waiver claim there for depth. Because like you said, I think it's, it, Austin Howard needs to go. And then it almost makes you wonder, you know, does Denzel Good just kind of wear out his welcome here when he's constantly injured as well? You know, he, he's not that starter type guy. He's a starter filling in and who has done pretty decent. He's not somebody that they couldn't, you know, improve on or anything like that. And it just obviously he can't be cut while he's injured. But I mean, uh, I, I just I just can continue to run through this in my head. And like you said, Jamarcus Webb, you know, it, that's not a better starter. No upside there with him. There's a lot of question marks with this offensive line, it, it, mainly at the tackle position. Um, have you noticed a, a slight bit of – I don't even know really how to, what to call it as far as – I don't mean uh, like disappointment in, in him or anything like that, but I just don't see the power out of Ryan Kelly that I did the past couple years. Am I totally off out in left field with that? Uh, I think – I see what you mean. I, I think I've seen that at times. Uh, I, I will say overall his body of work this preseason I think has been fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he he clearly is healthier than he was a year ago. I thought even when he got back from the foot injury, I mean, look, you could tell he just couldn't he couldn't get it done. Right. Uh, he he was not himself. So I think he's he's ahead of where he was last year. There's no question about that. And I feel a lot better about Ryan Kelly. But but I do think yeah, the, I think there are times that interior has not been spectacular, uh, and, and that has been a mild disappointment this preseason. I think even look at Quentin Nelson to some extent, um, when he gets his hands on you, okay, forget it. Mm-hmm. It's a wrap. But there are times where he's going to play like a rookie. And mm-hmm. and these guys, these defensive tackles are savvy. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to just let you grab them, okay? So they, they're, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, moves and counter moves. Okay, well, those guys have it because they're in they're in, you know, confined spaces and, and they're, their whole uh, repertoire is hand movement and and those sorts of things. So, I mean, those guys have it in spades. So it, he's getting a lot of that right now. He's getting a real big education in there. And and as you said, Ryan Kelly, I, I think it's just a matter of he's got to get back to where he was as a rookie where I just mm-hmm. thought, you know, this guy's upside was tremendous. Yep. Uh, I, I want to see him try to fulfill that this year because I, I do know last year he was disappointed – we were disappointed. Uh, certainly the team wasn't thrilled either, but it was his health, right? I, I think that's truly what it was. Right. Uh, it's up to him, I think, to recapture what he showed us as a rookie. And this is the year that will tell us who Ryan Kelly is. So it's a big year for him, no question about it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm excited because I was very excited with, you know, you see Slauson being such this sort of enforcer, I guess you could say, of that offensive line early in camp. Um, you, you think about Ryan Kelly and then Quentin Nelson, who's been, you know, is just so stinking amazing. You put those three mm-hmm. in there and you just think, man, these guys are really going to set the tone for this offense. 
And and I just noticed a couple times Kelly getting beat. And I've always been a real, uh, a pretty much a heavy supporter of Kelly. Even when he was injured, I thought he wasn't as bad as people were making him out to be. But I just feel that he's kind of, I, I don't know, maybe hesitant a couple times. And, and, it's paid, and he's paid for it. That, that may be all it is. Or, or something of that sort. But I, I just – I want to see him, like you said, return to that rookie form and really kind of just patch together this interior and make them that that, that single punch and, and just see these guys be able to dominate defensive lines. But it is going to take some time, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to see that. I just hope that Kelly returns to it, as you said. Uh, yeah. I, I felt that after Ryan's rookie season, mm-hmm. you know, my – projection for him as a second year player assuming he would have been healthy sure. my projection was okay this guy's a pro bowler in year two mm-hmm. and that's where i thought this was going and so he didn't quite get there and and for very good reason so i, I think again he will i think sort of um clarify who he is in 2018 in mm-hmm. my mind I, I hope so and I, i'm all for it because that could uh, that could really fill out a lot of what the colts's uh, uh issues have been in the past Naheem Hines obviously has shown that he's not a punt returner. And I think that a lot (laughs) of it's gotten into his head. Not, you know, he was returning a kick the other night and it just seemed like he was literally just begging for someone to touch him so he could fall and hang on to the ball. I didn't see him trying to be explosive as he meets the mesh, you know, when you're bringing a kick out. And I, I've noticed that he's kind of got a little bit of opposite of what we saw last year out of Marlon Mack. Last year, Mack seemed, you know, we saw him run between the tackles in preseason and saw him juke, I think it was a guy on the Cowboys, in the hole. And it was like, wow, if he can do that in the regular season, that's something. A lot of during the regular season, we saw him bounce out a little bit more than we would have liked. Hines seems to take the opposite approach. I love that he's physical, but I also kind of am starting to question his vision uh, as a running back and, and wondering why he's not hitting some of these outside lanes that are opening up for him. It seems like he'd rather turn it back and get one yard instead of maybe having one guy to juke on the outside with a potential big play. I just think that a lot of the, the fumble and the ball control issues were something that's gotten in his head. And I, I still have seen it, you know, since he, since all of this started. And I just, I'm curious to get your viewpoint on him and kind of where you think that, I mean, can they even, honestly risk using him in the backfield very often at all are they going to have to strictly use him as a weapon and almost as a a predominant slot receiver yeah i've been wondering the same thing you know because yeah you can say look all right we'll take him off of punt returns and by the way they have because chester rogers is listed as the punt returner i know that the depth chart you know means very little right now but that was a deliberate change they Mm -hmm. made yes like this week okay and I don't think that is accidental. That that was they were letting us know, okay. And then the game solidified it for me, right? right. Okay, it was it was Chester Rogers, and uh, we also saw Zach Pascal back there, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think clearly he's not going to return punts, kicks. We'll see. Uh, that's a little bit different animal because you're not catching the ball in traffic. So I think they may feel somewhat safer on on kickoff returns. But punt returns, yeah, in, in traffic, the way you have to be able to catch that ball with guys bearing down on you, that is probably not what he was born to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I'd say is you're, you're absolutely right. I, if this doesn't give you pause, if you're Frank Reich, then, then you're probably not making a very good decision. 
I think you, everything has to be earned. Right. And you can't look at you can't look at Naheem Hines right now and say, yep, he's earned everything that's coming to him. Mm-hmm. You, you can't say that, okay, because if you put the ball on the ground, that is a cardinal sin. So I don't consider that earning it. I like Naheem Hines, okay, and I want to love Naheem Hines. Me too. But I don't love Naheem Hines right now. <laughs> I just I don't know how you can. Right. Right? So, so in my opinion, he's got to go earn it. And that process has to start over a little bit. Uh, it, it would be one thing if this were isolated, but but it's not isolated. It's not. I mean, it, this is a pattern. Right. And and you are correct. I really do think that there's something in his head. I remember we watched the Seattle game. I was out there. I saw him, you know, you know, mess around and misjudge the balls, and you know, get get the ball, have the ball roll up on him after a punt and muff the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I saw all those things, and then so we came back home. And that was a Thursday night game. I believe they had a practice on Saturday, uh, that Saturday afternoon. And the very first pass in the team portion, which is, you know, for the listeners, all 11, Mm -hmm. in the team portion, he dropped the very first pass of the day. And I said, you know what? That is mental. There's no question about it. And and he did that later in the practice, too. He had another one. And and at that point, he's a guy who's pressing. And this is common as you know, with young guys. And at that point, now you're trying too hard and nothing good is going to happen. So it's up to Frank Wright to understand that and see what he's dealing with there. And until he gets that under control, I think you have to have an asterisk next to his name because he's going to let you down. Right. And if he lets you down, okay, the stakes are high. Go back to 2015, the opener in Buffalo. One of the turning points in that game, I thought, was Philip Dorsett putting the ball on the ground on special teams. Mm -hmm. And I'm not suggesting they were going to win that game because they had a lot of things go wrong. But at the same time, I think that just set a tone. And it happened early in the game. And I think he might have done it twice, if I'm not mistaken. And to Chuck Pagano's credit, (laughs) okay, we we criticize Chuck a lot. But to his credit, he said, get him the hell out of there. Right. (laughs) And that was the last time we saw him the very last time we saw him on special teams. Mm-hmm. And Frank Reich has not taken that approach. For three weeks, well, for, for the first two weeks of the preseason, he was force-feeding Naheem Hines yes. on punt return. So I, so I guess to, to your question, I'm getting a little off on a tangent, but I, I guess my question is, yeah, do you hand him the ball on he's, – he's playing third downs a lot too. So, like, do you hand him the ball on third and two? Right, I mean, right. do, you, do you feel good about that? I don't know. Right. I feel okay throwing him the ball out of the backfield mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's more in his element, right? But um, I, I'm with you. I, I don't know. I think he scares me to death right now. If yeah. I'm Frank Reich, I'd be terrified. And, and again, everything has to be earned. So that, I think, is a very important example to set. I'm not saying bench him. Right. I'm just saying right. if he's getting – 15 touches uh, I don't know if he's earned that right uh right. one of the, one uh, of the things of the, that he think, said today he, he told basically told you guys that today uh, Chris has made it clear to me from day one that he appreciates the mentality and we feel good about our picks but at the same time you've got to earn it he literally said yeah I mean for almost verbatim that today and that to me meant a lot just seeing that because you you know it, it's so hard for a guy who goes out and and makes these picks. Now, I mean, look, there's a reason 
that only 32 people, you know, at one time, not just because there's only 32 teams, but because these GM jobs are not only highly coveted, but they're hard. It's hard as hell to be a GM in the NFL. And if you are going to basically admit mistake on one of these picks, it's got to, you have to be a special kind of person to say, sorry, I made a mistake. We're moving on, you know, no harm. I mean, they did it with Zach Banner last year. Uh, and, and do they do that again this year? Who, who knows? But I like the mentality that not only has obviously Frank ba- or uh, Frank uh, Reich feeling that way, but it seems that it's he and he and Ballard are very much on the same page with that. And not only that, but that they appreciate each other for feeling that way. And I think that that's something that you really need uh, when you have a team with so much youth and you've got to have these guys prove themselves day in and day out. This is really, I think, so many steps in the right direction, regardless of a few speed bumps that it might put in the way. Yeah, I think that approach is critical. Mm-hmm. And and you talk, you know, we talked earlier about this being a team that's young and impressionable. And the last thing that you want these guys to 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 start believing is that is that they're owed something. <laughs> okay. So uh, as a, as a new coaching staff in particular, I, I think you have to set expectations. Mm-hmm. So it's very important that, that Frank Reich and his coordinators and his position coaches as well, they all have to set their expectations, you know? And, you know, I, I talked to, to players at times under the old regime who, who there, this was probably isolated, but there were players who felt like, you know what, um, guys are getting things they're not entitled to in some cases, right? It, there were players who, and I'm, you know, I, I'm not going to say your name names. I'd have to think about it a little bit to be honest, but, but sure. there were, there have been guys over the years who, okay, yeah, well, he's on the team because they drafted him or, you know, the, the coaches like him. So he's, he's getting all the reps, you know, and there was too much of that. I think you don't ever want guys to, Look, guys will always think that way because everyone thinks they're the best player, right? And everyone thinks they should be playing over someone else. So you, you will always have some of that sentiment. But when it starts to really take hold and there's too much of that, that's when you have a problem. And that's when you as a coaching staff have not set expectations. And and I think it also uh, probably uh, impacts – uh, incentive the wrong way. It has a negative impact on other guys' incentive to go out there and try to earn it themselves, mm-hmm. right? Because if if you're if you're thinking is well, I, you know, I'm out I'm out playing this guy in practice, but but he he's still getting the reps. Well, what's that about, right? I mean, well, that's going to leave you a little defeated. So it is very important. I think you're absolutely right. Very important that they really double down on that. And I and I think Chris Ballard, listen. Chris Ballard is probably the most accountable guy I've ever dealt with in, in my career, probably. Mm. I mean, you know, I, I think maybe Pat Riley might be a close second, but, like, you know, but he's Pat Riley, so <laughs> he can say I suck all day long. He's still Pat Riley, right? <laughs> right. Uh, Chris Ballard's a second-year GM, and the guy is completely fearless when it comes to saying I screwed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, look at something as small as the TJ Green situation – Last year, they moved into corner, and Chris totally fell on the sword over that. I thought, you know, a few months ago, he told us, he said, yeah, that was me. Don't put that one on Chuck. That was me. It was a bad idea, and, you know, it wasn't a bad idea to find out, but it was a bad idea to do it in the third week of training camp, right? Right. So, 
Uh, Chris Ballard, he completely fell on the sword there, took that one on the chin. Zach Banner, as you mentioned. You know, so I, I do think that that is a great part of the culture right now. And if you do it too much, then that that's going to make me ask questions about you. But for sure. Uh, but if they do it in spots, that says that these guys aren't going to waste time. And, and that's a very important thing for everybody involved. Absolutely agree. And, and Boward has told us that, that, you know, the locker room is watching. And yeah. this is exactly what he's talking about, stuff like this. So it, it's important that this gets uh, kind of hammered into that new, you know, the, the new reshaping of this Indianapolis Colts culture. So, uh, guys, we're going to take another quick break. We're going to come right back, finish up the show with Stephen Holder. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice, whether it's who to play in fantasy, who's going to win, who's going to be a top performer. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. You guys know by now I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, individual bets, team bets. They've got it all, guys. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet on the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. I just did that literally the other day. Trust me, guys, they are the best bet this season. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use my promo code BLUECOLTS to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online. That's MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use my promo code BLUECOLTS when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Lay down some cash and win big today. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice. Whether it's who to play in fantasy, who's going to win, who's going to be a top performer. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. You guys know by now I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, individual bets, team bets. They've got it all, guys. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet on the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. I just did that literally the other day. Trust me, guys, they are the best bet this season. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use my promo code BLUECOLTS to activate the offer. Visit my bookie online. That's my bookie, M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use my promo code Blue Colts when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Lay down some cash and win big today. All right, Stephen. Here is another question that I've been asked several times, and I, I keep saying no and no and no, but people keep hammering at home. Is there any chance at all that this Colts roster carries five tight ends? Uh, I say four, mm-hmm. but I but but I, I understand why you'd ask that. I mean, I think it's one of their deepest spots, and in fact, there are a lot of spots where I'm like, you know what? I don't love any of these guys. <laughs> right. Okay, and and yet tight end is one of those where I'm like, okay, I like all these guys. Mm-hmm. So, so that is very interesting. And, and what's also interesting is. 
you have you have a lot of duplication there to some extent. So I wonder how that's going to impact the numbers. When I say duplication, I mean just in terms of the skill sets, right? Right. So how different are Tra- Ross Travis and Eric Swope, for example? Right. I mean, I don't think they're that different. Um, they're not exactly the same, but but certainly both basketball bodies, both former basketball players, in fact, um, both who are primarily receiving type tight ends, right? Um, so then I go to a guy like Daryl Daniels, who is very different, uh, can help you in the passing game and has, mm-hmm. but I think is is also a more accomplished blocker and a guy who may, you know, who, who they may try to keep because they, they have problems at tackle right now, right? Uh, Jack Doyle can certainly, you know, serve as, as a, as a protector. Right. An but, extra chip um, guy. Right. But, uh, but I think it's important to, I think that's something they have to consider at least um, just given their tackle situation. So I struggled with that when I did my roster projection, which I just posted tonight. And uh, I think I ended up, I don't have it in front of me, but I think I ended up with the, with the four tight ends being, I don't feel great about this, but, <laughs> but the four tight ends being Ebron, uh, Doyle, uh, Travis and Swope. And I, I don't feel great about that fourth spot. I, I feel like I should have maybe traded Daniels for Swope or, and, or Travis, you know, I think you can kind of flip a coin there. I'm not, mm-hmm. I, I don't feel strongly either way, but, um, but I, but I hear what you're saying, doing what you're saying would solve the problem, right? They <laughs> just keep all five. Right. Uh, five is a lot though. So we'll it see, is. but, but you're talking about Frank Reich who, feels very strongly about his tight ends in his offense and they have a huge role so that's where it's plausible and and then special teams as well so it is it conventional no not at all uh is it out of the question probably with most teams but maybe not this one mm-hmm. that's kind of where i landed but i i like i said i i, I can't even get my brain to wrap around it so i'm, I'm kind of excluding yeah. the thought process of it but at like you, you know, you've made some great points that with this offense, this might be one where there, you know, where it is plausible. And and Daniels is a hard guy to come off of because he does look good uh, in the passing game as well occasionally. And and if you can get that out of a guy who is known as primarily of a blocker, then you 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 know that's a plus. Obviously, that's that's an extra chip right there for him. So it's going to be fun to watch and very interesting to kind of to watch it uh, kind of navigate itself through this uh, 53 man then then waiver claims I, you know there's two or three days there where it seems like the 53 man roster changes about every five or six hours and it, it's just it, it's it's exciting you getting to that point where you're actually going to figure out what this roster looks like um Stephen, aside from the the tight ends, where where do you put the the strengths of this roster? And and even uh, afterwards, if you could drop a couple weaknesses, I think we can pretty much guess, you know, at least a handful of the weaknesses. But what are the the two strength or the strength and the weakness that that stand out to you the most? You know what's interesting? I have gone from not liking their running back situation at all to actually kind of liking it, hmm. and 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 now. I don't like it week one because it sort of feels like Marlon Mack's not playing. Right. Um, so, uh, so, so bear with me on that. But, but if you just look beyond that, let's say Marlon Mack is healthy. I actually don't feel too bad about this backfield. I, I, I don't, I don't like any one guy uh, at a level like that's off the charts. 
not at all. Yeah. But I like the variety. I like the uniqueness of some of these guys. Marlon Mack, I thought he had a great training camp when he when he got going, mm-hmm. and and I think he he showed a willingness at least to be a one cut guy. Right. And if he can do that, then Marlon Mack is a different player. And I've I talked to Frank Gore on a regular basis, and he's he's still watching him, and that's what we've talked about. He said, you know, Marlon can do it. He's like, he's just got to do it. And so it's it's going to boil down to him uh, basically just making up his mind to be that guy. And and I also go back to uh, last year playing with the labrum injury, right? I mean that that mm-hmm. had to impact his ability to really be physical. Mm-hmm. So I give him a little bit of a pass on that. So so I actually I like running back more than I ever thought I was going to. And we haven't even talked about Robert Turpin because I mean look I. I think in four weeks, we could have a totally different impression based on how these guys play. Mm-hmm. Maybe Jordan Wilkins, you know, steps up and, and makes a few plays, you know. And Naheem Hines, you know, for all of my concerns about him, I still really like Naheem Hines. I think he's going to get the football in some capacity. So F- Frank Reich has a lot to work with there. Um, the tight ends, as you said, I, I, I really like that group, very deep. Uh, the defensive line, I, <laughs> it's funny, I – there's a lot of numbers there. There's a lot of guys who are worthy of making the team, but I don't see a ton of standout guys, and that's that's the problem there. I see a lot of average, so we'll come back to that. But um, you know, uh, the, the safeties. I, I really like obviously the two safeties, the two starting safeties right now, uh, Clayton Gathers, Emily Cooker. They look like they're on top of their game, mm-hmm. which is amazing because neither of them did a damn thing. During the offseason. Okay. <laughs> right. So Malik Hooker has no business making the kind of plays he's made. Okay. None. All right. This guy is coming off an ACL. He and I were talking last week. He is, uh, he didn't have surgery until very late October, almost November. So he is, what, 10 months out from ACL surgery? Yeah. Almost right I mean, out. Almost. Are you kidding me? Like that's that is just like freak of nature stuff. He is a freak. There's just no other way to phrase it. Uh, so Blake Hooker, if he stays healthy, and he's had trouble doing that, granted, but if he stays healthy, I don't know where his ceiling is, man. I I, I am so that that play he made on Saturday. I know it's one play, and I'm probably making too much out of it, but I don't. I haven't seen a guy on this team be able to make a play like that in many years. Right, and. That's the thing, man. It takes when, when you don't have, when you don't really have a lot of depth, your studs got to make plays like that because mm-hmm. that can bail you out. Yeah, and so that's where I'm really optimistic about the defense. They have a few playmakers. They have guys like that. They have Clayton Gathers. Uh, I think Darius Leonard, spectacular potential. Absolutely. I mean, I I, I mean, we, we didn't talk about him, and the linebackers are certainly not a strength, but that guy has a chance to be a stud. Mm-hmm. So of, of the positions I, I guess I'm concerned about, I would say, look, wide receiver, it's not a huge concern because I think they're going to spread the ball around multiple positions. But I don't love the depth there. I, I think they're adequate uh, at the, the top three. And then after that, flip a coin. Uh, that's kind of what you're looking at there. Mm-hmm. Maurice Fountain or Reese Fountain, just been a disappointment for me. Me too. Uh, I just you know, we haven't seen flash. You know, we talked about flash earlier. Uh, when has the flash come? When, when has there been any flash there? Mm-hmm. He had a play on Saturday. Good route. 
came back to the football, made a clean catch, tapped his toes. That was impressive. I like that play. Mm-hmm. And and had he done that more often, I'd say, all right, there's something there. But I haven't seen anything on a consistent basis there. So um, I, I'm not making a judgment about him, you know, after one offseason. But but I would like to have seen more because there was certainly opportunity. Oh, for sure. Definitely opportunity. It's not as if they were loaded. Okay. <laughs> right. And he never – all right, Dion Kane proved that there was opportunity. Mm-hmm. Okay, KJ, he went out there and he took the opportunity and got hurt. KJ Brent, right? Yeah. So, so anyway, uh, Reese Fountain, I'd like to see more. I put him; uh, he's a little bit in the same conversation as as Basham, but but not to that extent because he's much newer. Right. Um, linebacker, obviously, that's a concern. But you know what? Um, those guys, man, they're they're going to run around like chickens with their heads cut off yeah. and they're yeah. going to gonna make some plays by accident. Mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. that's the thing. They're young, they're fast. They get to the football. You know, I talked about this with Booger McFarlane last week after the Monday night game. And we sort of did a, I did an interview with him the following day. And he said, that was his impression. He's like, I don't know if they know what they're doing, but those guys run, they get to the football. So they're going to make a lot of tackles. They might be six yards down the field, but they're going to make a lot of tackles. Uh, and they're going to be around the ball. So, you just keep doing it, and then eventually, you know, hopefully something turns. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, and then I would say corner is just—I'm uh, just uninspired, right? <laughs> you know, I, I will tell you, I am a Kenny Moore fan, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm buying the Kenny Moore hype. I—I I think that kid has instincts that you can't teach, and I was appalled they won when he was playing over Quincy Wilson, <laughs> but. I now understand it, right? I'm not saying he's going to be a better player than Quincy Wilson in the long term. I'm saying he has something there that is very tangible. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's instincts, it's playmaking. Uh, he had a couple of plays on the football on Saturday that were critical. And if he can continue to do that, and this defense allows him to do that, right? If right. he can continue to do that, he's going to be a very uh, trustworthy player for this team. So kudos to for, to him for taking advantage of his opportunity. And I, I kind of I, – I think that's why I like him in the slot so much. I know that they, they've yeah. used him out at the boundary, and that's fine because he, he's he's earned that attempt anyways. And I, and I think he's done pretty well at times as well out there. But I, that's why – he just isn't a guy – look, playing nickel is completely a different animal than playing as a boundary corner because you have to sift through the trash constantly with guys crossing the field, and, and there's just no end to the physicality you have to be and the mindset that you have to do to run through that gamut every Every single play and he has that and I that's what I do love about him and I think that he's perfect for that route or for that role yeah I, I totally agree so I always talk about my Tampa background anybody who knows me knows that knows that and you know, I was fortunate enough to cover Rondé Barber right and mm. uh, still talk to Rondé great guy one of my favorites all time and the one thing Rondé Barber had because he was a lot like Kenny Moore very undersized Tiki was always a much bigger guy, his, t- his twin brother. Tiki, mm-hmm. being a running back who's thicker, uh, uh, definitely a, a more muscular guy. Rondé, while very well built, was, was not Tiki's size. So, and, and certainly not a tall guy, 5'9 or so. And so, yet he but, – but really the reason he was such a good slot corner was instincts and just an ability to react faster than everybody else. So – I saw a little bit of that. Look, 
Kenny Moore, let me, let me be clear. Kenny Moore is not Rondé Barber. Okay. But <laughs> right. So now that we got that out of the way, all right. <laughs> but what I saw from him, there was a play. I thought it was a, a second down play in the red zone right before Malik's, um, or I, I think right before Darius Leonard's near interception. The play before that, Kenny Moore sees the ball going to 81, and there, he's playing in the slot. The ball goes to 81, and, and Garoppolo thinks he has him. And Kenny Moore gets such an incredible break on the ball that he just gets there, and it's like Garoppolo can't believe it. And it's like, how did he get to that ball? Because I'm sure he saw him, right? But he made such a great attempt. He made such a great break on the ball that he gets there, and he, and he knocks it down for the deflection. And so when he's in the slot and he has, especially in the zone, when he has the advantage of being able to watch the quarterback a little bit or at least spy him a little bit, you know, when you can – at times when you can take your eyes off of the traffic, that's going to be such an advantage for him because, again, his instincts are so good and his, he has such quickness that he's really going to be able, I think, to take advantage of those situations. So I agree with you. He's probably a marginal outside corner, but capable, but mm-hmm. but marginal. But I think he has really shown himself to be um, a, a huge asset in the slot. And he, I tell you what, Nate Hirston is going to be the loser here because I think Kenny Moore is your, your nickel and should be. Uh, he's going to make plays there. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I I think that you like seeing that Nate is the next guy up, though, too. You know, I, I think yes. that he's done pretty well for himself. Uh, but I, I would uh, – I definitely agree. I, I'm starting Kenny Moore in the nickel if, if I'm <clears> – you know, if I'm making the decision, which obviously I am not. But uh, we agree on that for sure. Uh Steven, it's been great having you on. Before I get you out of here, my man, I'm going to ask you about a surprise cut. Who's your surprise cut um, on the 50, the initial 53? Let me put it that way. Mm. Well, <laughs> this one's tough. I, I think it's um, – hmm. I don't know if I have a surprise cut, but um, I, I, did, or I didn't cut this guy. But a surprise cut for me – would be Reese Fountain. Mm. I don't think they'll do it. I don't think they'll do it. But but that is the the Zach Banner decision last year has has given me pause. Right. <laughs> you know, and I, I just now Zach Banner I think was much more of a project pick than maybe Reese Fountain, who I think uh we I didn't see him as a project necessarily, but maybe he's turned into one. But but my point is um, so I guess I'm not predicting it. Okay. So I'm not really giving you what you want for your, it just wouldn't surprise you, but I think it's something to watch mm. again. There's precedent there. And, and Chris Ballard, look, he has not hesitated to pull the trigger on anything. The first thing he did when he got in the building was trade Dwayne Allen damn there. Right. So, right. I mean, this guy is, is not hesitant to do what he thinks is right. Now, again, it would shock me. It would really stun me because, you know, He's it's one off season into his career, but something to watch. I mean, the production is just not there. Uh, beyond that, I, I don't. I actually don't think there's a ton of a ton of shocking cuts to be had. Um, one thing that I noticed in doing the roster cut down was <laughs> I was a little disappointed in the maybe bottom third of the roster. Mm-hmm. It's not very good, and. And that kind of reinforced it for me when I was looking at the actual names and trying to piece it together. It's a very interesting exercise because it gives you a better sense of what's there. We get caught up in in the guys at the top, right? Because those are the ones that matter. 
but injuries will make you have to tap into that bottom of the roster in, inevitably, without a doubt. And so it really did crystallize for me, man, they got to turn the bottom of this roster because it's not very good. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think they'll claim a bunch of guys on Sunday. So watch out for that. I agree. Um, I, I, I think that maybe that the Colts have lucked out to where they've been able to – I think they're going to – let me put it this, uh, short and sweet. I think they're going to be able to stash Reese Fountain if they do cut him. Because he hasn't yeah. had much preseason, you know, uh, feature. They, they've not, he's not been doing anything. So it's not like it's coming down to we've got four really good receivers, five really good receivers, and he's just, you know, he. I know he's a, a rookie and I know he's a draft pick, but, you know, he just happened to be – I just think they're going to be able to stash him. I don't think that he's been able to show enough teams or teams enough of what he can do where somebody would claim him. Now, when you have those athletic traits, you've got that length and everything else – Maybe somebody else wants to take a stash at him. <clears throat> and as long as he's on the practice squad, teams can can bring him up to their uh, regular or to their active roster anyhow. So you always run the risk with it, uh, not just initially. So uh, I think that that, I, like you said, I, I think that that makes perfect sense that you could see. It wouldn't surprise me if they did it. But I, I guess I, I don't know how to I don't I honestly don't know how to go about it because I've been struggling with him ever since about the second week yeah. of practice. You know, I don't know whether to say it surprised me or it wouldn't surprise me because, I mean, look, he's not in a, in a massive competition here. I, I haven't, we haven't really seen, despite what the Colts coaching staff has said about Ryan Grant, we haven't seen any chemistry between he and Luck at all. And, right. and, and that's uh, an issue. And then you get to four. You said, like you said, flip a coin. you got Pascal. You've got, you know, a couple other guys there, even Sean Tavis Jones. You've got some guys that have some big playability, but that's, really it is all based on potential there's no nothing on paper about these guys and what they've proven or done or anything else like that so uh, it, it's just interesting it's going to be very interesting to see how this initially falls and then you know obviously with the waiver claims and whatnot one of the guys that I've kind of uh toyed with and I know he's predominantly played with the first team but there's just something about him in this system that just isn't clicking for me. And it could, I could totally be off base here, but um, I, I, I just continue to not find a place for Marcus hunt. (laughs) Yeah. I struggled with him too. I, first of all, I, I thought that when they were in the off season, when they were kind of uh, getting rid of guys, frankly, for lack of a better word, who didn't fit their scheme, Mm -hmm. I kept waiting for the Marcus hunt, transaction right right it was like all right well he didn't fit <laughs> uh you know you can't cut everybody i get that it's like it's the reason like al woods is here right like you can't cut everybody mm-hmm. but um and you know al woods isn't an ideal you know four three no stack i suppose but but my point is i kept waiting for that to happen right because part of the reason cincinnati thought he wasn't a good fit was because of their scheme <laughs> you know right. when they moved to the four three they were like yeah we're, you don't fit mm-hmm. and so and that and plus he didn't make any plays but um but yeah they, he has it's funny he has had some production or at least some flash right he has and i keep trying to figure out whether it's just you know uh by virtue of you know just coincidence or you know i'm like you know done at the end of the day he has enough of a body of work that we should know who he is, right? It's like, I'm, so do I change my opinion based on a little bit of preseason flash? Sure. Uh, I don't know about that, right? I mean, this is a guy, this is a guy in his fifth year mm-hmm. or something like that. So, yeah. I mean, I don't think that that's 
actually it might be a sixth, right? So I don't even, I don't think that's the yeah. way to go about it, right? I mean, we have enough tape on Marcus Hunt over four or five years of NFL play mm-hmm. to say, all right, we know what he is. So I mean, it'll be interesting. And then there's, um, you know, just the, the whole, the whole issue of like uh, these younger guys, right? You know, when when they get Kamoko Ture going, right, and uh, obviously. Uh, John Simon's going to play a bunch. He's mm-hmm. not a young guy, but but I'm just saying in terms of where do the snaps come? Right, right. That that becomes an issue for me. Mm-hmm. You know, Basham, if he sticks around, I mean, I would assume they'll give him a shot. You know, he's he's going to get some some at bats. So I mean, how many defensive ends are we playing here? Right. So right. <laughs> so I'm with you. I I think that is going to be interesting. The only thing I'd say on on Marcus Hunt is uh, he does have some obviously ability on special teams and, and that may be the saving grace with him. That, that may be how he makes it. That may be why he's still here to begin with. Mm -hmm. I I don't think that they necessarily have to move like completely get rid of him, but then you kind of get into the situation. Whereas we clearly saw him better as a defensive tackle last year than he's really done this year. Why not just use him kind of sparingly as an extra guy for that while he's not lightning quick by any means, but he did show some burst and some speed uh, last year and showed some ability to collapse the pocket from the interior. So, I mean, whatever they end up doing, you know, I'm kind of on board with, but I, I, he's just a guy that I'm really watching to kind of see, you know, how it all ends up because that defensive, that front seven group, or, or rather just the front four even is going to be one of the most interesting spots to look at, you know, come, you know, come cuts. And uh, I, I, I just continue to look at that group and think Taekwon Lewis, they said he's not going to be IR'd, but you know, how long is he going to be out? They said he's not close. So, I mean, are we looking what three, four weeks, maybe, yeah. I mean, you know, that that's, that's disconcerting because you really want to see what this guy has. He's got a lot of what they need up there. And as often as this front, four slants like so dramatically in one direction or the other these these big plays these big running plays anytime there's a hesitation by the running back at all uh you know a counter step or anything like that those big openings are going to open up for him because basically you've got uh two linemen there taking on linebackers because all the defensive line has completely shifted one way or the other five yards so this is part of it and it's going to be interesting to watch. I'm excited to watch these cuts because I think that I think the Colts have a viable defense. They're they're going to literally bring back the mantra of the cardiac Colts, uh, as you wrote, you know, basically uh, with your piece on the Ben Don't Break style defense and what they've got right now, because that's exactly what it is. Uh, it is going to be an exciting year. We're going to give up a ton of yards, but you know, we may luck out. Basically, can you force them into field goals more often than you think Andrew Luck can throw touchdowns? I mean, that's ultimately what we're looking at right here this year, I think. So it's going to be fun to watch nevertheless, but there's going to be a lot of interesting uh, moves possibly here in the next, uh, next few days. This weekend's going to be quite interesting. Yeah, it's a calculation. There's no question about it. And, I, I am. I tell you what. That's what I've told people all, all off season. I don't know how good they're going to be. Uh, I, I still think we have such an incomplete picture because Frank Reich has intentionally created that. Right? He hasn't shown what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. So they have a little bit of an advantage. 
advantage there. But but again, we have such an incomplete picture of what we're looking at that it's hard to make an assessment. Um, talk about guys like Taekwon Lewis, right? What is he? I have no idea. But that being said, I, I don't know how they're going to do. But what I do know is that, as you said, it is going to be very interesting. There's going to be much more intrigue than last year where – we were all just kind of waiting for it to end so we could talk about the draft, <laughs> right? right? That, that's not, that's not going to be the case. Now, their record may not be good, right? But, but I still think you're going to enjoy this more mm-hmm. if you're really truly looking at this with an open mind. You understand this is a process, mm-hmm. and you know that they're in the middle of that process somewhere. They're not toward the end. If that's what you think, then you should completely reassess your, your view of football, right? right. And you don't know as much about football as you think you do. <laughs> so, so everybody who understands that, and I think most people do, most most fans who are really paying attention, and those are the ones listening to us, they, they know, right? They understand this. Right. So if, if it ends up being 6-10, and 10, that's going to suck, but, you know, as a fan, but, but it depends, right? It depends on what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they could be 8-8. Eight eight. I don't know. I'm just saying. If it, if it ends up being something less than you want it to be in terms of the record the one thing you could count on is that you're going to learn a lot about this team this year because because there's a lot of intrigue we don't know a lot about a lot of these players so and then there's andrew luck which we're back where they've been for so many years right? right how far can andrew luck take them that really is what it boils down to i know that's a terrible way to go about it but it's also not much different than most teams oh. so at the end of the day, I, I think we criticize them somewhat too much for that. Uh, you, It is a quarterback league, and teams go as their quarterback goes. Absolutely. It is going to be exciting. And, and, and when people ask me, you know, hey, are they going to be any good? It's like, I don't know, but they're going to be exciting. There, there is yeah. going to be some excitement this year, especially if you're looking long term. And I think that's what uh, I think that I think. Honestly, I think fans are willing to grasp at that. I, I, I think that they're willing to hang on to that because that is something that they haven't had the past couple of years. And it, to be able to look at the team and, and see what's, what's building, what's kind of simmering for the future, I think is, 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 is hope. Hope can change a lot of people's minds, and, and that's going to be uh, fun for us to watch this year. Uh, Steven? Thank you so much for joining me tonight. It was a it was a, a real treat to have you on. I appreciate it. It was a great conversation. Uh, make sure you guys are going to check out Stephen's work at the Athletic Indiana. Uh, pay for the subscription. You, you're not going to you're not going to be disappointed in, in what you get. Stephen always brings you know some great analysis and, and points that uh, you know just as you guys have heard tonight that uh, that you may not have had. Uh, rattling around in your brain. So, Stephen, thank you again for for jumping on the show tonight. Had a blast. All right, same here. Thanks for having me, Matt. Absolutely. Make sure you guys are going and checking out the podcast rate and review. Appreciate that every night, every time. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. We'll check you out next time on the Colts cast. Stampede Blue. The two megastars summer mashup. The awesome iPhone on the Rockstar Metro PCS Network. Get the iPhone you've always wanted for zero dollars so you can jam without limits.
It's a hit. Get an iPhone SE on us when you switch. Metro PCS. Coverage not available in some areas, plus sales tax and $10 activation fee. Requires port of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or on Metro PCS in past 90 days to an unlimited LTE plan. See store for details and terms and conditions. Drink run. Here we go. McCafe coffees, shakes, and drinks. Ain't no thing. You the man. Yeah, that's what they're going to say. Oh, Kevin, thank you so much. We love you. <laughs> that's right. You the champ. The drink run champ. Welcome to McDonald's. How can I help you? Own the drink run, Kevin. Own it. Now get a small smoothie, shake, or frappe for $2 on McDonald's one two three dollar menu. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies, like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.